0: netcasts you love
1: from people you trust
0: this is twit bandwidth for the tech guy is provided by cashfly C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. hi this is leo laporte and this is my tech guy podcast this show originally aired on the premier radio network's On Saturday, February 26th, 2011, this is episode 747, enjoy. Well, a good day to you. How are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And uh, it's time to talk about tech computers yeah the internet and cell phones and camcorders and mp3 players and home theater 8888 ask leo is the phone number one 8888 275536 i am just back from a three-week trip to south america around cape horn didn't make it to antarctica uh because the weather was bad And, you know, I was with uh, Steve Wozniak, the uh, inventor of the Apple computer, and about 40 other Macintosh geeks uh, trying to get to Antarctica on this Mac Mania cruise. The cruise wasn't about Antarctica. It was just kind of a side trip. And uh, everybody was kind of bummed. I was bummed. We We all had, you know, frowny faces on. But then I realized, this is Antarctica we're talking about. You know, Shackleton tried to get there. Had to eat his dogs and still didn't get there. You know, I mean, they, for the ship froze, they, they practically died. It was a year in the wilderness. They were lost and they still didn't get there. So I shouldn't feel that bad. Oh, gee, my flight was canceled. <laughs> That's not so bad, is it? I'll just have to make a separate trip. But I did see some beautiful things and I got to see a little bit of the technology going on in South America. I met with uh, entrepreneurs and, uh, and bloggers in uh, Buenos Aires and that was so cool. It was kind of spontaneous. I didn't plan it. I tweeted, I'm in town. Hello. Actually, all I want to know is where's a good place to eat tonight? And somebody tweeted me back. Oh, I said, where should I go? They said, San Telmo. That's a nice area. Okay. Where should I eat? Somebody tweeted me back, Cafe San Juan. I said, okay. And I tweeted, I'll be at Cafe San Juan if anybody wants. Six people showed up. We had a great conversation. One of them was a reporter for the, the big newspaper in Buenos Aires. He interviewed me. It was so much fun. The next day. Same thing, lunch with six or seven entrepreneurs. And what a vital tech scene they have in Buenos Aires. It's actually, uh, it was really uh, fascinating. Very entrepreneurial, uh, very web-focused. There are challenges. You know, we forget uh, that we have this great infrastructure in the U.S. for entrepreneurs. Uh, I've talked now to entrepreneurs in South America and in Europe about the climate there. And it's very different. It's very hard, you know. If you are in the U.S. and you've got a good idea, you're, maybe you're a high school kid or you're a college student, like say, I don't know, a Mark Zuckerberg sophomore in, at Harvard. You know a little bit of programming. You don't need any money up front. You can get Amazon has this thing called uh, EC2 that allows you to create a website very inexpensively. You have all the program. Google has a similar situation. A setup. Uh, where you just, you can create, you can express your idea, make it a reality, prove it works, and then go look for money. And then there's all sorts of interesting ways to look for money. I've got actually two entrepreneurs in studio with me, Eric and uh, Chris. Eric has a a company called fullscreenphotos.com. Chris has a company called uh, Networks.com, P-A-I-R. They both are startups. They're out for a, a conference called the Launch Conference, which is the whole idea of the conference is you get a bunch of Young entrepreneurs, man, they don't have to be young. They could be my age. Entrepreneurs who have great ideas who are doing something, maybe on their own dime, because you can. You don't even have to max the credit card these days. And they're looking for somebody to put some money into it so they can go to the next level. And so, a conference like Launch gets together these entrepreneurs and people with money. They call them sometimes angel investors if it's just you know ten or twenty thousand dollars. Super angels if it's a hundred or five hundred thousand dollars. Venture capitalists if it's more. Remember in the social network. Remember the. The, the the beginnings of Facebook. There was a lot that was not true in the social network, but this part was was true. Mark Zuckerberg, Harvard freshman, or sophomore, uses Harvard's resources essentially to create the first Facebook. Say, hey, this is pretty cool. This is good, but I'm going to need some money for a server. Gets his roommate, Eduardo Savarin, to give him five grand. So he's the first investor to to run a server. So he's not using Harvard's resources. He's running his own server. Five grand, that's enough. That's for six months. Remember, they they're not making any money at this point. They're not trying to. In fact, Facebook only in the last year or so has tried to make any money. This is what a lot of entrepreneurs do these days: is they they say, "Look, let's just let's get it started. Let's let's grow the user base, and then we'll worry about how to make money on it." Look at Twitter. Twitter was started in two thousand six, and and is only now in two thousand ten started making or even looked at starting to make money. What they try to do is. They use the word scale first. They get to scale. They get big enough so that, the, that an investor will come along and value them at something. You don't want to take money too early because then your valuation is too low. So you wait. You try to get to scale so that you're worth something. So then you go and you get a, an angel maybe. that After $5,000 from Eduardo Saverin, Mark Zuckerberg, it scaled. Boy, did it scale fast. He got all of Harvard, then all of the Ivy League. Now he's saying, oh, boy, we need lots of money for servers. He goes to a, a traditional venture capitalist. This is somebody who has money of his own or others to invest in somewhat high-risk ventures. The theory being that one in ten or fifty or even a hundred makes it big. It's it's kind of the uh, the same kind of hit mentality that movies and books have. You know, you you spend a lot of money on a lot of movies, and if one or two of them make it big, you make your money back in some. So, so Peter Thiel, who's a venture capitalist, says, all right, I'll give you guys, what did he give him? It wasn't much, half a million? I don't even think it was that much. Half a million dollars. By the way, for that, he got, I think, 20% of Facebook. Not a bad investment! <laughs> it's, at the last evaluation, I saw that uh, Facebook was worth well over $50 billion. So I think he got his money out of there. He's very happy at that $500,000 investment. And that was enough to get Facebook started. After that, it was easy for them to raise money. So that's the interesting So that's the interesting thing, is that it, here in the States, there's this whole ecosystem around creation and innovation. And you know what? That's so good for us, because it means, you know, sometimes people say, oh, my God, there's so much stuff on the web. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. Yeah, that's great. The more variety, the more innovation, the better, because then the great ideas can rise to the top. And, of course, the more ideas in total there are, the more great ideas there'll be. Yeah, sure, there'll be more junk, too, but more great ideas that will survive. And I think we have a great ecosystem. I go to, you know, I went to Europe for LeWeb in December. European entrepreneurs said, well, it's a little harder here. First of all, we don't have the culture of failure. I said, what? So said, in the U.S., it's not really a strike against you if you've tried and failed as an entrepreneur. If you've had a startup that didn't make it, it's not a strike against you. In Europe, it is. In Europe, they go, well, I don't know. Can this guy, oh, maybe this guy's a flop. Maybe this guy's a loser. Maybe this guy's a dud. In the States, it's like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. How many, who cares? Five failures, no big, were these good ideas? Yeah. Did they fail? you you learn from it? Are you ready to do the next thing and do it right? Yeah, great. Here's some money. (laughs) You're you're judged on your merit and your idea. There's also this culture of uh, capitals, uh, you know, whether it's uh, angel or super angel or venture capital, there's a culture of that that just doesn't exist in Europe. It's a little bit more state. Same thing in South America. Now, Europe has a bigger problem. Because Europe has a dozen different languages. So it's hard to scale in Europe. If you're making a Twitter in Poland, in Polish, well, you got Poland. But then you have to, 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 to grow it. You have to get a bunch of different languages. Not such a problem in Latin America, right? Because with the exception of Brazil, it's all Spanish language. So Latin America is a good opportunity there. I think in some ways, you know, just anecdotally, it's a little bit more vital right now. In places like Buenos Aires, uh, where people really are starting to get some stuff going, it's very interesting. But we should we should acknowledge what a great what a great environment we have here for it, innovation and growth, and how exciting it is. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing so many interesting, exciting new startups every single day. Every single day. And and you know what? Some of these are going to be the next Amazon's or Apple computers. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, I, I, let, call in if you want to talk about this or anything that's on the on your mind with the tech world. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. Apple this week released uh, new laptops. Actually, a whole bunch of companies do because of Intel. Intel uh, updated its Sandy Bridge. This is the latest Intel chip. They announced it in January at the Consumer Electronics Show. It's a it's a thinking processor. You know, the CPU plus the graphics engine all in one chip. So it's more compact. It uses less power. It's faster. And now they have a mobile part, which should give us great battery life. So everybody from Lenovo to Apple had new laptops. We'll talk a little bit about that. And this new Thunderbolt hmm, replaces a lot of interfaces. All coming up. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888, ask Leo, that's the phone number, Apple's got the big event coming up Wednesday, March 2nd, that's probably, everybody agrees, that's probably the iPad 2, but we'll we'll talk a little bit about that, although there's nothing to say, because anything I say would be rumors at this point, no one knows, but we have some thoughts, I will talk more about Lightpeak, aka Thunderbolt, because uh, Intel's calling it Thunderbolt too. You know, it's uh, it's. I re, it reminds me a little bit of um, FireWire, which was jointly developed by Apple and Intel. The official name of FireWire was, get ready, IEEE 1394. And uh, I think FireWire is a better name. But people didn't use it for a long time because Apple uh, copy or trademarked the name. And people were nervous about saying, well, it's FireWire. Apple really said, mm, we, we have the copy or the trademark on that. Uh, a, a couple of years ago... Once that once FireWire was pretty much dying, Apple said, "Oh, anybody could use a name." And we never we never meant to. <laughs> so this is similar. This is an, a joint effort between Intel and Apple and some others. It's called Light Peak. Is the technical, somewhat technical name. I guess they learned from the IEEE thirteen ninety four debacle that you can't just give it a number and a letter. So they called it Light Peak. But for some reason, they decided Light Peak wasn't a good brand name. So Intel and Apple both are calling it Thunderbolt. Which I'm sorry, but it sounds a little too much like a comic book character for me. I kind of like light Peak. The idea is it's fiber connection, a, a glass uh connection instead of a copper connection that is very fast in the current version, ten billion bits, ten gigabits per second, actually, it's copper right now, you're right. It's intended to be fiber. I think the current iteration, the first iteration. Intel wanted it to be fiber. You're right, absolutely right. Intel wanted it and intended it to be fiber. That's why it was called Light Peak, L-I-G-H-T, as in, you know, light. And uh, then it was held up because they couldn't, for some reason, they couldn't seem to make it work or whatever. They said, well, we'll opt for copper, not as fast. Maybe that's why they're calling it Thunderbolt, because it isn't really light yet. So I guess that's why they changed the name, because it is it is copper. Let's see, what else... There's a lot to talk about, isn't there? But I tell you what, I'll get to the phones. We'll find some more uh, to talk about in just a little bit. I'm very interested in in all of this. They said the new Apple laptops, the new Intel chips, the Thunderbolt light peak thing. Uh, And, of course, what Apple will be announcing on Wednesday. And and, and meanwhile, by the way, uh, nobody's standing still with these tablets. And we've got Motorola with the Zoom, which came out Thursday. Motorola charging $800 for it, or $600 if you subsidize it with a two-year contract with Verizon. Ouch. That's an Android tablet, the first to run the new version of Android called a Honeycomb. Honeycomb. I always think of that song. Honeycomb. Was it, was it Jimmy Rogers? Honeycomb. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the Motorola, the uh, uh, Rim Playbook, the BlackBerry Playbook, which I like a lot, is coming out too. Samsung still making hay with its tablet, so there's a lot of te- lot of competition for Apple this time around. We'll see what Apple can do to keep the keep the market. They own it right now. They own it right now. Uh, who's uh, who's the first call today? Fran in Studio City, California. Hi, Fran. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
1: Yeah, you know, I love your show. And thank I, you. I have a quirky ma- email problem. I have a MacBook OS 10. For, um, running version 10.5.8, and uh, my server is DSL Extreme. I use Microsoft's uh, Entourage for the Mac. I now have version um, actually for the Mac 2008, version 12.2.8. And and here's the problem, and it's been going on um, it's been going on for over a year now. When DSL Extreme switched over to, the, to Google servers. Right. started having this problem. And what happens is my mail comes into the DSL Extreme server, and um, and for years I've been using Entourage, and it always just got, um, you know, it came into the server, and then it went to Entourage. And I never actually even went to DSL Extreme. I just got all my mail right. Entourage.
0: That's how most people do it.
1: Exactly. It was a beautiful thing. I loved it. Um when they when DSL Extreme switched over, I noticed that some of my mail wasn 't getting into entourage, but there was no rhyme or reason to it. In other words, if you sent me three emails, one of your emails would um, would show up in entourage, and the other two would remain on the server. I went to DSL extreme, spent hours with tech support, they said it was a Microsoft problem. Went to Microsoft. Um, did all sorts of things. I upgraded to, from 2004 to 2008.
0: You know, even Microsoft, by the way, has abandoned Entourage. You know, they don't do it anymore.
1: I'm really, I'm really very upset about it because. Well,
0: it wasn't a very good program. I know you like it. Pardon? I know you like it, but it was not a good program.
1: Well, you know, it had the Project Center, and for my work, the Project Center worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, and so the new have- outlook,
0: the new outlook on uh, Mac does not do that. No. Oh, that's interesting.
1: No. Um,
0: <sighs> well, uh, you know, are you using? Let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you using? There's two different ways you can collect your mail from uh, your internet service provider. In most cases, POP. The most common is POP, Post Office Protocol, POP three. The other choice is called IMAP or IMAP.
1: And it won't, according to DSL Extreme. I I can't use IMAP.
0: Okay, so they don't offer an IMAP server.
1: Right.
0: You know the one of the. I think the reason that they do that, you know, the first a couple of things. They have a business where they run an Exchange server, which would work best with Entourage or any Microsoft product. Uh, they also, uh, because they migrated to Gmail, Gmail does offer IMAP. Right. So, so you could, you know, instead of use. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't use DSL Extreme for my email, so I don't know. Did they when they moved to Google? Did they uh, say we'll migrate your mail to Gmail?
1: Um.
0: Do they offer you that option? If you use it on the web, do you use Gmail or are you using DSL Extreme's old webmail interface?
1: Extreme, yeah. Okay. So I would
0: talk to them. Here's what I would do: I would talk to them about migrating to Gmail. which is a a better system anyway, Uh, has really good anti-spam. It has a very good web interface. Most email clients, because it's so widely used, do very well with Gmail. And best of all, it gives you the choice of POP and IMAP. Why would you prefer IMAP? I'll tell you why. The way POP works is your host, your DSL Extreme or your Internet Service Provider, Mail server holds your mail. As it comes to them, it holds it in a, in a mail bag. Think of it as a mail bag with your mail. You go there with your client, Entourage, Apple Mail, Outlook, whatever you're using, and say, give me the mail. They dump that mail into your local client, and that's it. It's gone from their server. Now, ISPs used to prefer that because it didn't take up space in the server. You'd clear it out each time. and Of course, you could change the settings, say, leave on server, but it's not ideal uh, IMAP works differently. IMAP, the mail always lives on the server. And Entourage or Apple Mail or whatever mail client you're using caches it. It gets the headers. It can get the whole thing if you want. You set how much of it it gets. I don't usually get the downloads. I just I'll get those on demand. I'll get the headers, the text of the email. It means it's faster. It means more importantly, I can use a variety of programs to get my email on a variety of computers, and the email is exactly the same. The sent, the outbox, everything exactly the same. I'll talk some more about this when we come back. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right, automatic backup to the cloud, where it's always available to you anywhere, anytime. Try it free right now. No credit card needed, just my name, Leo. Carbonite.com. We we're talking about email, and um, the, the, the more modern way of getting email nowadays, which is this IMAP solution, instead of POP. So, you know, most email clients have a choice between IMAP or POP. I am a big IMAP proponent, have been for years. There's a lot of advantages to IMAP. It's more modern. It's more efficient. It allows you to use multiple machines. You know, one of the problems with PopMail, when you download your mail from the server, that's it, you have the only copy. If you're going to use another device, your phone, your iPad, another computer, a work computer to get your email, you'll only have a copy at home, and there won't be any on the server anymore, and so you you can't. And the idea of saying leave on server is clunky and ugly and doesn't work very well. What you really want is IMAP, which means IMAP is more like Microsoft Exchange where the the internet service provider in this in her case DSL Extreme holds the mail and just pushes out information about it to your various email clients. And you determine on the on each individual email client how much information on your phone you might not want to see the messages, just the headers and then when you click the header it'll download the message. So you save bandwidth. At home, you might want to get everything, including the download, so that your local copy is exact an exact copy of what's on the server. You get the choice. IMAP has another uh, advantage. Um, you know, it's uh, if you send a message. This is to me the cheap one of the big advantages. If you send a message from any of your systems, it goes into the sent mailbox, and that sent mailbox is visible on all systems, so you can see all of your sent messages on every system. You can't do that with POP mail. That's a huge advantage. And there's more. So go to IMAP. Now, uh, DSL Extreme, because they've moved to Gmail, uh, you know, has IMAP built in, I would just call DSL Extreme, say, help me move over to the uh, Gmail system. Entourage will work better with it. You won't miss email. PopMail has a problem because think about it. Okay, you go out with your email client to the PopMail server. You download what's there. And then what happens is the the local client puts a little marker a bookmark saying i got everything up to here anything new i want to get and there can be all sorts of problems with that that could explain why she was missing some mail gmail which is their new uh hosting service at dsl extreme is really good i mean it has a good anti spam features it's got a great web interface every email client in the world works with it one way or the other i just think it's an it's a natural now i know some people are sensitive about google in general but i i think uh I think, really, Google is a great solution for a lot of things. You know, nowadays, almost any smartphone you get, you log into your Google account, it populates all your contacts. It populates your calendar. And if you lose that phone and get a new one, you haven't lost any data. It's just a great cloud-based solution. That's what we mean by that cloud, that little puffy thing. (laughs) That cloud, that's the Internet. The reason they draw a little puffy cloud is it's way too complex to illustrate or draw or even describe. It's just out there somewhere the cloud i was talking to somebody i talk to people all the time who say oh leo i don't trust the cloud i don't want to put my data in the cloud and i and, and i have somebody told me and i wish i could give him credit cuz it was it was a great analogy guess what you already do where's your money is it in a mattress no it's in the cloud you have been trusting your financial life to the cloud for decades The bank doesn't have the money in a vault. You trust the bank to store your virtual money somewhere out there. And when you want it, you retrieve it. And you trust that the bank isn't going to lose it. You might keep track of it just in case. But I think by now we realize it's pretty safe. When a cloud system is well run, is properly backed up, properly maintained, it's absolutely safe. It's probably safer than keeping your money in a mattress, isn't it? Putting your data in the cloud is probably safer than keeping it on your local hard drive. Or better yet, do both. Unlike your money, your data you can have multiple copies of. So you don't have to trust the cloud. Keep a local copy. But I think keeping it in the cloud has huge advantages. Much better than keeping it in your mattress. Will is in Illinois. Our next caller. Hey, Will Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
2: Hey, Leo. How you doing?
0: I am great. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm all right. I am alright i want to say I really enjoy your show, even though I don't give you credit when I'm talking to other people about the knowledge yeah. I learn. I give you full permission because
0: you know, after a while, Leo says it gets boring. So just pretend, <laughs> pre- pretend you made it up. I do. You think <laughs> I know all this stuff? Because I made, you know, I, you know, I got everything I have. I got from somebody else. Ah, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right? But, uh, we all did.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: I'm not uh, out there doing basic research on how microprocessors work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, hey, It helps me out when I'm talking to certain females who don't know much about the computers. Oh, or, really?
0: You know women that this impresses? Because, boy, I'd like to meet those.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't know something, <laughs> and, and I do. And, hey, I don't, I'm really? not a good-looking guy, but it gets my foot in the door, you know?
0: <laughs> wow, that's working for you. Wow, I'm impressed. I guess we geeks have come farther than I realized.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's the time <laughs> of the geek. Uh, <laughs> I agree, I agree. But uh, I just purchased the Evo, and uh, I love it. I have I'm a lower Sprint customer. Um, I'm having problems because I can't download videos from my computer to my phone and and play. And right. he key tells you cannot cannot play. And I've wondered there they. Right. Uh,
0: you have to put it in a format. Remember, as smart as these phones are, and I love the Sprint Evo, it's a beautiful phone, it's 4.3-inch screen, it's even got a little kickstand, so it's made for watching videos. But remember that these things are not as powerful, they don't have as many resources as a full-blown computer. So we've kind of, we're a little spoiled these days. We, 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 uh, we, we play high-def video on our computers. I remember very well a day when you couldn't, the computer would go... <laughs> I can't play this. It's too much data. Well, your phone is is basically... That's what's going on. There are only some formats it will play. So what you have to do is figure out what format the Evo wants. You can't just copy a video file to the SD card and expect it to play. Okay. Uh, Most of the time, uh, cell phones want a format called 3GPP.
2: 3GPP.
0: So um, I would guess... That Sprint has some sort of way of of uh, figuring it. It's thir- it stands for third generation mobile system or something like that. Anyway, it's um, uh, it's a it's a video file format that will play on phones. In fact, if you you know one way to find this out is shoot some video on your Evo,
2: uh-huh.
0: and, uh huh, and see what it's recording in. Oh, okay. And then whatever that is, we know it'll play that back. Yeah. So then you can convert. Then you need a program like Handbrake or a similar program. I like Handbrake. You're on Windows, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Um, You you can use a program called Handbrake, H-A-N-D-B-R-A-K-E dot F-R. It's a transcoder, free, by the way, that will take any video format and turn it into any other format.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So once you figure out what the Evo wants... Then you just convert your AVIs or your DivX or your QuickTime movies into that format. It you know it may support it probably does support if, with the appropriate player a lot of formats, but it may not be able to play them back at a full frame rate, or it may not be able to play back the resolution that they're in. You you kind of have to, kind of have to get them into the form that's best for that phone.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So NewsHound in my chat room is telling me that Real player SP will also do this. I think that's free as well. Um, so there are a number of ways to convert it. But just dragging it onto the phone isn't guaranteed to work.
2: Uh, yeah, I found that out.
0: No. Yeah, that really- Even if you had a player, let's say it's DivX. You know, there is a DivX player for Android, but it might be very stuttery because the phone just doesn't have enough power. Okay. I'm told that the HT Sync, HTC Sync will also work. So you might try using the HTC software and see if that works. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Aboard the tech guy, eighty-eight eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the phone number: 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. Outside the U.S., just use Skype. Out. I have to say, Skype is amazing. I was in Buenos No, uh, Montevideo, Uruguay, and uh, you know, I have to tell you when you're when you're traveling, especially if you're, it was a cruise, uh, and of course, cruise ships have internet, but very very slow internet you could barely use it uh, especially if everybody on the boat there's you know 1500 2,000 people on the boat using one marine satellite connection which uh, is 1.5 megabits so if a hundred or 200 people are using that connection it's just you it's useless so I would I would <laughs> I would pick my times carefully middle of the night is good <laughs> I'd get up really early and then I could download email nothing large but I could at least check my email and then and then I'd get on at one in the morning and send the email, you know. And that that's kind of and boy, you really appreciate the internet. When we got to uh, Uruguay, I'm by now only two days on the boat. I'm already kind of parched. I'm internet famished. And uh, one of our uh, one of our MacMania group, Johan, who's uh, who lives in Tokyo but he's from Belgium. Talk about confusing. And he speaks Flemish, so it's I don't know. I'm confused. Anyway, he. He he tweets me. I have found Wi-Fi. <laughs> Go to the bookstore next to the next to the church. So I went. I'm and he's in a coffee shop, and I found Wi-Fi, and I fired up Skype on my iPhone, and I was able to make a 40-minute call back to the states for like 30 cents instead of the eight dollars a minute that AT and T would have charged me for a regular cell call. And and I tell you what, it was a lifesaver. It really was. Uh so Skype, I'm, boy, I'm more and more impressed with Skype. What a valuable uh, technology that is. So you can use Skype to reach us, but you'll have to use the Skype out. That's the ability to call a phone from Skype anywhere in the uh, world. And it shouldn't cost you anything because it is a toll-free number in the U.S., 888-827-5536. Henry, Sun Valley, California. Hi, Henry. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
4: Hi leo I recently decided to purchase a uh, solid state hard drive it's a hundred and twenty eight gigabyte i'm sorry hundred twenty gigabyte uh solid state uh vertex mm-hmm. and uh I was wondering how to migrate windows over to the solid state hard drive i tried all yesterday and i mean all yesterday <clears throat> to do this with our uh Archaos,
0: our our Arcanus?
4: are Cronus right? yeah they all Acronis
0: have true image yeah and clone, I would try clonezilla. it's the same, first of all, forget that it's a solid state drive okay that's not relevant it's a, it's a hard drive as a hard drive Is a hard drive from the point of view of the software and the computer. so that makes no difference. You're having the same issues you'd have going to a spinning drive. yeah the problem is that Windows does not like to be cloned. You're much better off just reinstalling
4: well, the thing is is that I have. Uh, license, like license codes up the wazoo, that I'm on my last uh, machine,
0: so to say. No, that's fine. You call, you'll you'll move it over. It will say, "I'm sorry, this is already activated." And you call Microsoft, and you say, "See, what I did is I got a new hard drive." And they go, "Oh, yeah, that's fine." Wait, is it the same machine, just a new hard drive? Uh, Yeah, it's just that... Then you you probably won't have any trouble. The way the activation, Microsoft's activation is a little opaque. They never have revealed it. But the general thought is that the way the activation works is it looks at all of your hardware, uh, including things like your Mac address on your Ethernet card and stuff like that, and makes a, a hash of it. If more than, say, two or three, I think even four things are changed, then Microsoft says it's a new computer. But just changing the hard drive, you shouldn't have any trouble.
4: More than just Microsoft, I have like Resolute, ah. you know, the other third-party people, and they, they're uh, quite a, immaculate. Well, I'm, I'm using the wrong words here. I'm sorry. I've been up a long time.
0: What you're, what you're saying is they don't want you to move it to a new hard drive.
4: Like, you know how third-party people are a little bit more ahead of than Microsoft?
0: Well, it's unfortunate because this is something people do all the time. What if your hard drive dies or crashes? I mean, this is something that's normal in computing. We often... We'll get a new hard drive, and I want to be able to move my apps.
4: Now, I have one quick question. I tried Clonezilla yesterday, but I got a kernel error. What? And it, and it said uh, couldn't couldn't identify. And I tried to look this up, uh, but I I couldn't get further. Oh
0: yeah, don't you know what? Error. When you get an error, you just it, just say, "Oh, it broke." <laughs> yeah. You can't. No, looking up the error is not gonna.
4: And so, my my final quick question,
0: just so Matthew Matthew says he's in there, he's in our chat room. He says he's done this a lot. Matthew, uh, he by the way says the activation is simple. It's automated. It's on the phone. You not, it's not going to be too difficult. But Matthew, what do you use to clone? Let's say somebody's got an existing hard drive full of apps, not just Windows, but apps, and he wants to move it all over to a new hard drive. Is Clonezilla the best choice? Chat room. I'm asking my brain if you don't mind. Sometimes they have. They've done it more than I have, Henry. He says he used True Image. That's the program you tried to use. Dan says he's our chat mod. What happened when you used Acronis? Did it not work? Or Well,
4: here's the deal. I have it put, uh, backed up into a uh, uh, eSATA docking bay. It's strange. When I install True Image, that drive does not show up any longer. Every other time when I wipe it, re- go system restore, or uninstall the drive magically shows back
0: up. Something's wrong. I don't know what. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help you. One, I, I, you know, something is wrong. I don't blame you for, for tearing your hair out. Yeah. Um, a Cro- Dan says he's used Acronis hundreds of times to do this. Dan works in IT, so this is something very common with IT. You know, they'll have an image that they blast on. Um, you're saying you made an image of your original hard drive onto a USB drive?
4: Uh No, no, no. I have it on the laptop, the laptop's hard drive. I have a docking bay, an eSATA docking bay, that contains the new solid-state hard drive. When I install True Image, the eSATA hard drive does... No, oh, I can't
0: do it from the boot drive. You have to probably have to run a...
4: Another, another... I
0: see. A, a, a boot to a CD and then do it.
4: Okay, and then one technical question, and then I can get on
0: out of here it's format so if you do you have the acronis cd uh,
4: no i'm using the home trial version
0: okay yeah you need to boot from the cd the reason is you can't clone a, a running system
4: system okay you can't clone it when it's running um and one quick question if i were to do a drive uh, bit by bit image mirror it's a 105 gigabytes right now and the partition is uh, of the original operating system is on a 300 300- Gigabyte That's not
0: a problem, but uh, 105 is awfully close to the 128 limit of your SSD. So you might have problems. If you're lucky, it'll squeeze in there. But it's not the partition size, it's the data size. I understand your question. Don't worry about the partition size, it's the data size. Okay,
5: awesome.
0: The Acronis software will burn a boot CD. So look in the Acronis software for burn a boot CD, burn that boot CD, boot to it, run the Acronis true image from that. It may be because the trial, I you know, maybe that the trial won't let you do it. I don't know. But uh, you should boot from the boot disk, and then you should be able to clone your internal drive to that external eSATA drive, and now you should swap drives, and you should be able to boot. That, that all should work. <laughs> but as you know with computers, should work is, <laughs> is a long distance between should work and does work. Hey, I do want to take a break. Thank you for the call. Good luck, Henry. That's it. That's I know. I know that feeling of being up all night. I can't. It shouldn't work. And what happens is you get dumber and dumber. You know, it it gets harder and harder to do because your brain stops working, and pretty soon you make dumb mistakes. So go to bed. Take go get some rest. Don't do anything more till you're rested and calm. Because I've done this so many times where you you know you start fresh and ready, and then you start making mistakes towards the end. I do want to talk about ESET briefly, if I may. You know, we've talked many times about the great antivirus, NOD32. Wow, I love it. You know, my my, my slogan if you have Windows, you need NOD32. Well, here's some good news for Mac folks. You don't, you know, there's still not a lot of viruses in the wild. In fact, I don't think of any viruses in the wild, but it's only a matter of time. There are security issues on the Mac, particularly if somebody wants to target you. They call this spear phishing, where, and it happens in businesses a lot, where a competitor. Or somebody who just doesn't like you, maybe a disgruntled employee, sends email with a virus specifically aimed at your systems. That's happening to Mac users. ESET's created cybersecurity for the Mac for you, and I think this is a great solution for Mac users. It's lightweight, it's fast, it doesn't bog you down, it's very effective. In fact, those heuristics that ESET uses on the Windows side also work on the Mac side to detect virus-like activity even before the virus definitions are available. You need that for spear phishing because these are custom viruses. And I really like this. ESET understands, as I've said for a long time, that education is the most important defense in fighting malicious software. That's why they have built in a great educational component that will help you and, if you're in a business, your employees understand safe computing. ESET.com slash Mac. Free test drive. You've got to try it free for 30 days. ESET.com slash Mac. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. More of your calls coming up. Stay here. here, the Tech Guy, episode 747 of the Tech Guy Show. Like a big old jet airliner flying technology into your So I'm sorry about that. We had a little technical snafu. I am back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. 888-827-5536. If you want to call in and uh, give us a question or a comment or a suggestion, let me get back to the phones. And Judy in Cardiff-by-the-Sea. Hi, Judy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
6: Hi there. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Okay. I have an iMac. It's going on about four years old. And I have um iTunes on it, uh or at least I did it's disappeared, and uh, I get a, when I try to uh activate the uh the little icon on my screen, I get an error message that says the folder iTunes cannot be found or created and is required. The default location for this folder is inside the music folder right, and i I downloaded the new version of iTunes, uh, but I, I still can't... Uh, Are
0: you on Windows or Macintosh? Mac. Uh, hmm, that's interesting. I would say there's something going on a little weird maybe with your hard drive. So the way iTunes works normally, if you delete the music folder, not the whole music folder, but if you look within your music folder, there's an iTunes folder. If you delete the iTunes folder from the music folder, mm-hmm. it will just recreate it now you don't want to delete it because inside that itunes folder is all your music your video your movies all that stuff <laughs> you don't want to delete it unless you have a backup but if that folder is not there itunes just says eh, well i guess you've never run me before and it will create it and all the subsidiary folders within uh-huh. including the one it's looking for called itunes music the fact that it can't worries me. There's a possible that maybe your hard drive's full. Have you looked to see if there's room? Um, no. Uh,
6: I'm not sure how to do that.
0: Yeah. I. It could be that, or it could be that the drive itself is damaged, or that OS 10 is acting funny. So I'll give you a couple of things you can do. Okay. First thing you should do is make sure you've got enough room. Because mm-hmm. you know what? If your drive is full, it's not going to... Usually OS 10 will say... Uh, your startup disk is perilously full, please delete something yeah, but never... just to make sure what you do is you 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 uh you know on the dock there you 've got the little blue and light blue smiley mac right just click that sucker okay and what that does is it opens a finder window and at the very bottom of the finder window if you if you if you 're on you know your computer or your home folder normally you 'd be on your home folder it 'll say what how much space is available. So I'm looking mine, when I opened it up, it opened it up on the home folder, which I think is the default behavior, and it says 408.36 GB available.
6: Hmm. Well, so you if know, you're when, a, I, when I click on that little smiley guy, uh, I don't, oh, there it is. Okay, it took a while to get it. To yeah, open, yeah open I'm a little worried. And I think then,
0: your hard drive's getting a little flaky.
6: And the, yeah, it's, this computer's been very, moving very slowly
0: for yeah. several months.
6: Yeah, um, that's so, what's wrong. Where will it tell me the at amount? the
0: very bottom of that window? If you look at that window and go all the way at the bottom, it'll say you know twenty eight items, something available.
6: Hmm. Well, what I've got what the, what opened up was the little uh, house.
0: Okay. Yeah, inside. So the house is your what you called your home folder. That's a, yeah. That's not a house. That's your home, <laughs> and in and in that window in the home folder. At the very very bottom of the window there there's a gray bar, a status bar we call oh. it. And it has
6: Oh, okay. How much it says uh, 158.68 GB available. Good,
0: you're great. You got lots of room. Okay. So now we've eliminated one possible problem, which is a full hard drive. Okay. So that's not the problem. So that means and and given that you've just told me that the system is unusually slow, it sounds to me like the hard drive itself is a little flaky. What happens as hard drives wear or fail? is that parts of the drive can't store data or unreliably store data. Mm-hmm. And your system gets slow because it spends a lot of time trying to get that data, reading it, and reading and reading It'll read it a few times until it gets it. Mm-hmm. But it has to do that a lot. It's going to really slow down the system. Unfortunately, where your iTunes music was, I think, is one of those bad sectors. You need to take it in and get that disk fixed or replaced. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. It sounds like the Doctor Who scene. Is it? No. Similar. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo. It's Muse. Okay. Uprising. Thank you. But it does, doesn't it? I love my brain. And I don't mean my personal brain. I, I, I take no pride in my personal brain especially as I get older, but i got to say the the externalized version of my brain, which is my chat room, is just fantastic. Muse, up rising, see, boom, like that, boom. They know everything. 8888 Ask Leo. Uh, next week I'm going to interview, and maybe we'll play a little bit of on the uh, radio show, I'm going to interview for my podcast network, a guy named Ray Kurzweil who is an artificial intelligence researcher at MIT, perhaps one of the best known, most, you know, respected guys in the biz. In the 80s, he wrote a book called The Age of Intelligent Machines, in which he predicted that uh, a, a computer would beat the world chess champion by 1998. And everybody said, oh, come on, Ray, please be serious Deep Blue, IBM's computer, beat Garry Kasparov and became the world champion of chess in 1997. So it was even faster. He has predicted that within the next 20 years, by 2029, a computer will pass the Turing test. The Turing test is an interesting test that was proposed by during World War II by a, a visionary computer scientist, one of the people really responsible for computing as we know it, Alan Turing, the Turing test is, I won't give you the details of how it's, it's the procedures, but the, the, the upshot of it is, and I think in a very reliable way, that, it's, that uh, it, it tests whether an independent human observer who does not know can tell the difference between a computer that he's having a conversation with and a human. Now, right now, if you have a conversation with a computer and a human, you'll know which is the computer. You'll just, it's obvious. The computer is just an idiot. But Ray says, "Yeah, that's now we're getting faster and faster with Moore's law and doubling of, uh, of of processing power every 18 months, and the all the huge storage. We're getting so that it is inevitable that by 2029, he says, a computer will pass that test. Will be uh, you will be able to have a conversation with a computer that is indistinguishable from a conversation with a human." I talked a couple of weeks ago about Watson, the IBM computer that beat. Uh, the best in jeopardy beat ken jenning's undefeated ken jenning's in jeopardy beat him by the way i do apologize when i was talking about that it was before you know the week before that jeopardy event and i'm so clueless i had no i i don't follow it so i didn't know whether it had aired or not <laughs> this is how clueless i am and uh, my chat room was saying that the uh, deep that uh, watson won and so i repeated that information I don't know if the chat room knew or not, and I got a number of emails from you, and I do apologize to people saying I care a lot about the results now you've ruined it for me because I know ahead of time, and so i I didn't know that a it hadn't aired. I didn't know whether Watson won or not. I was just going by what my brain said so i do I do apologize for us I hope I didn't spoil it for you. I do apologize, and I have to say, even though i was uh, I was out of touch during that event, I have since watched the uh, youtube of it and it's pretty amazing it's almost spooky to watch this computer not connected to the internet by the way it had its own local storage now of course they probably had enough storage to download most of the internet so it had a pretty good collection of material but to watch this computer understand the answers and come up with the questions and actually beat the humans that is fascinating and ray kurzweil wrote an article that's what i was talking about for pc Magazine. In which he said, "Win or lose, this is a significant watershed event. We are getting closer and closer to this moment." He calls it the singularity. David Bix in our chat room says that uh, Watson had 14 terabytes of storage. That's a lot. That's like twice the Library of Congress. That's 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 enough to get a good amount of data in there. Wikipedia is easy. I can I have the entirety of Wikipedia on my iPhone. That's nothing. <laughs> That's a few gigs. <laughs> uh, so very, very interesting. I have to say, um, as we approach this event, this singularity, and I'll, I'll get some of the quotes from Ray uh, on here. Uh, won't be next week. It'll be the week after uh, on the show. But um, the reason he thinks thinks this is significant, this so called singularity is because, now, I asked him, uh, I've interviewed him many times, I've asked him at one point, well, w- wait a minute, okay, so uh, it passes the Turing test, it's indistinguishable from a human, but that doesn't mean it's human, or a- it, it uses the same thought processes, or it's as intelligent as, he says, but if it's indistinguishable from a human, does it matter how it's getting there? If it can beat a human at jeopardy, does it matter if it's using the same process or a different one? If it can beat a human at chess, does it matter if it's mechanical i guess not if it's indistinguishable it's indistinguishable right somebody's saying it has a soul and maybe there's things that humans do like paint a painting or act in a play that it can't do but if if in conversation and you can have a normal conversation with it and it you can't tell the difference that's significant and what his thinking is that when that happens, then things happen very rapidly because the computers get smarter enough to design themselves, to design new, smarter machines. The iteration cycle gets faster and faster and faster and faster. And very soon, we have this kind of Terminator world where the machines are much smarter than us, much better in every respect than us. I said, Ray, that's terrible. It's like the Matrix. It's like the Terminator. What are we going to do? He said, don't worry. They'll revere us as their creators. To them, we will be as God. Mm, I hope he's right. I've seen too many science fiction movies. (laughs) The reason I bring that up is because Ray says by, you know, 2029, the next two decades or more, there will come a point where you, instead of dying, can pour your brain into a computer. And that computer will become your body. And that now, uh, admittedly, I think that's not you. That's just a machine that is so good at simulation that it's simulating you. But from the point of view of the outside world, it's indistinguishable from you. And you will live forever. And I think in a way, that's what this chat room is all about. (laughs) I've poured my brain into the chat room. So no matter what happens... If you've got a question, go to the chat room. You can do that by going to our website, TechGuyLabs.com. All the show information is there. And by the way, this is 747, show 747. Uh, And also, uh, there's a link to the chat room, the live video, and all the other stuff that we do uh, associated with the show. TechGuyLabs.com. Plus, James is writing everything I say down as if it matters so that you can refer back to it. You don't have to write down the links. Uh, Let's say hi to Addy in, uh, in the UK, in London. Hi, Addy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, how's it going? It's great. I'm so glad you uh, you are listening in London.
7: Yeah, it's because um, I've got a good internet connection actually here. Um, it's a 10 megabit internet connection. Wow. Wow. So you're on Skype.
0: Yeah. And uh, who do you get a 10 megabit, 10 megabit up or 10 megabit down?
7: It's 10 megabit down, unfortunately.
0: Because yeah, on, on Skype, all we care about really is up. You know how fast you have going out hang on the line addy at least it's not costing you anything we'll talk to you and answer your question right after this leo laporte the tech guy Of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by DSL Extreme, my internet service provider for high speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866 the number two, get net to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, Addy is on the line from London, England. Hello, Addy, oh, via Skype, sounding great. How much do you pay? Hi. Just out of curiosity, you know, sometimes we complain in the U.S. about our uh, internet connections. I think in some ways we do pay more for less than much of the world. You have 10, 10, how much? 10 megabits down?
7: Yeah, 10 megabits down. The only minor drawback being is that there's traffic shaping in place during Mm -hmm. the day.
0: So you can't, so you can't, you know, maybe run BitTorrent or Skype or something like that?
7: Yeah, I can run just like basic audio or just web browsing or email or anything like that. Right, right.
0: I nine. think everybody's going to end up doing that uh or at least that's what the internet service providers say because and I think this is this is BS but because uh if it gets busy, you know, uh, we got to protect the normal user against the bandwidth hog. Mm. But truthfully, I think band I think there's I think bits are almost free. And uh you know, I don't mind paying I think maybe what they should do is say pay more if you want more. I could do that, but I don't think bandwidth shaping is the right way to go, and I think that's where they're headed. That And CAPS, which is even worse. Yeah. You downloaded 25 gigabytes this month? You're done.
7: Yeah, I understand the feeling, because I'm actually the um, tech guy for pretty much my family and my friends. Good good man. Yeah, so um, actually, before I get on to the reason why I called today, um, I just want to say that I actually... Funny enough, used to watch you on a um, on the screensavers and call for help way back when. Um, Check TV and G4 Check TV. Yeah, went. I think
0: we were on uh, Rupert Murdoch's B Sky B, weren't we?
7: I can't remember off the top of my head, but
0: but there was a way to watch it in England. Good, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right.
7: Yeah. So um, here's the um, situation. I've got a um, good colleague of mine. At, um, actually, he's a good friend of mine. Um he's got an iPhone. Hello?
0: Yeah, still here.
7: Yeah, um, like I was saying, he has an iPhone and um what he wants to do is is that he's got so he's got a ton of contacts in there. Um and what he wants to do is he wants to be able to put them into groups so that he can send um SMSs and emails just like in a snap.
0: Yeah, wouldn't that be nice?
7: Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's any kind of easy way to do it apart from having to hook it up to my computer.
0: Right. Of course, you know, Apple in its own contact management program, the address book, supports groups. Google uh, supports groups and Google contacts. But Apple Mail on the iPhone does not. And I don't think the Apple contacts app does on the iPhone either. So I'll tell you a a couple of solutions. One is uh, for text messaging, there are a number of programs that will let you do group messaging. My recommendation would be Text Plus. Text? Yeah, which is nice because it's free. It uses your your internet bandwidth, not your SMS, but it does allow groups. It actually does some neat things. With Text Plus, you can, for instance, um, have a you know, interest group that you can invite others to, and it makes it almost like a uh, message board mm-hmm. on your iPhone. Um, there's there's a lot you can do with it. It's from a company called Goji. They just got a big uh, influx of uh, cash, big investment, which is one of the reasons I recommend them, because they think they'll be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is it's free because it uses bandwidth, not SMS. It allows you to, by the way, to do rich media, pictures, and other stuff, and it supports group texting. So he can create a group and send, uh, you know, whether it's his business partners or friends who like kittens, and, uh, and send uh, text out to all of them all at once, which is kind of cool. All right. Um... Text Plus. And I think the website, if you want to read more, is textplus.com, but if you just search for Text Plus on your iPhone. Now, for email. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I bet you there's some third party. You know, Apple's, this is where I think the iPhone really suffers. Apple has, for instance, among other rules, uh, a rule that you cannot duplicate functionality that Apple already provides. So writing, for instance, an email application on the iPhone is probably not worth your energy because Apple, in most cases, will just say, no, we don't approve it. Mm -hmm. So there aren't. If you look at it on Android, there's a lots of choices, but there's no choice on iPhone. You use their email program.
7: Oh, darn it! Darn it! <laughs> darn the luck! But I
0: bet you uh, with Text Plus, or I'd have to look at it, but I bet you there are programs that you could use that could say text or email these people. I bet I would look at Text Plus. I bet you that you have that capability to do that, or some kind of way to do that. Hey, I'm really glad you're in London. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you, Addy. Really great to talk to you. This is one of the reasons I think people are switching over to Android in greater and greater numbers is, yeah, it's a chaotic environment. There's a new Android phone every two seconds. The operating system is all over the place. You know, there's version 2.0, 2.1, 2.2, 2.3, and 3.0 are all in the marketplace at the same time. There's even phones that are still running 1.6 that can't be upgraded and on and on and on. But all of that is a side effect of something that we do like, choice. Apple artificially constrains the innovation on the iPhone. They only release one a year. That makes consumers less nervous because you know, well, if I buy an iPhone when it comes out, it'll be good for a year. There won't be any challenge to, to my current phone by something better in less than a year. But it means that things don't innovate as fast. You know, if if somebody comes up with a better phone, they can't release it. Apple's in charge of that. Similarly, they are very careful about apps. Some people prefer this kind of mothering, this nanny approach to uh, software. And if you do, good news, Apple's really good at it. (laughs) Some people, and I include myself in this group, prefer the choice and are willing to put up with some chaos and some uncertainty and stuff because there's more innovation. There's faster iteration. Things happen faster, and there's better choices. So that's, that's for me personally, that's why I choose Android. Now, with Android, there's probably a hundred ways to do group messaging, group email, and, and so forth. But on the iPhone, it's, it's, it's Apple's way or the highway. And you know, when somebody says to Steve Jobs, so the fact they've said this, well, yeah, you you there's not enough choice. We uh, what about the free market? Steve says, Yes, choice, there's a free market, go somewhere else. If you don't like it, you don't have to buy an iPhone. Go somewhere else. And uh a lot of people in fact more people now are using Android than using iPhones. And that number is just gonna go up and up and up and up and up. I mean, there's just no question about it. Uh, and I think a lot of that is just, uh, well, I think it, it's it's choice of several kinds. It's choice of uh, carrier as well. If you're on Sprint, you don't have a choice of uh, an iPhone. If you're on, uh, you just now got Verizon. If you're on T-Mobile, you don't have a choice of an iPhone. So you have to choose Android. It's interesting, actually, that uh, Windows Phone 7 is now, uh, Nokia is going to start making Windows Phone 7. Says, There's a lot of choice with Windows Phone 7. Windows Phone Seven is kind of betwixt in between. It's not quite as chaotic as Android because Microsoft is kind of controlling the kinds of hardware, things like that. It's not open source, but it is much. There are many more choices, at least in terms of hardware, than there is on the iPhone. Now, software maybe not. Although good news, Angry Birds is coming to Windows Phone Seven. So that's all I really care about. Alan West, L.A., Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
5: Leo, a happy DSL, Extreme, and Carbonite customer, checking in.
0: Thank you, sir. I appreciate your support of our sponsors. That's great.
5: Here's my question. My hard drive is running out of room. I have a uh, couple-year-old Dell computer. My question is, is it better for me to stack a, I think it's a 500-gig hard drive with a new one terabyte? Is it,
0: is it better to have multiple drives or a single drive? I will answer that in just a moment. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. leo laporte the disco tech guy 8888 88, ask leo that's the phone number if you have a question a comment a suggestion alan's in West L.A. with a hard drive question. So did I synopsize? We ran out of time. That's why I had to synopsize. Did I synopsize that correctly, Alan? Are you thinking about multiple drives versus a single drive? Tell me me what you really need.
5: Well, here's the question. I was going to stack it originally, and then someone told me that hard drives eventually fail. So you really should think about upgrading. I'm sorry, not upgrading, but replace your hard drive on a periodic basis, other people say. Yeah, just stack and leave the operating system on the smaller hard drive and use the other one to store information. I don't know what to do.
0: <laughs> I am uh, in, in the uh, in the HAL camp on this one. Remember the movie 2001 where uh, HAL says that there's a failing component and the uh, astronauts go out, they get it, they bring it back, they say, HAL, we can't figure out, there's nothing wrong with this. And HAL says, well, Dave, I suggest we put the unit back and let it fail. I would leave your hard drive in until it fails. You back up, right? Right, of course. Here's the problem. Google did a study. It was a great study. Google uses more hard drives than anybody. Because everything, everything on Google is, you know, on, somebody, on a hard drive somewhere, on a server. They have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of servers, each with hard drives. Uh, so they've done a longitudinal study on their hard drives over the past five or six years. They released it last year. It was fascinating. They said that the, a certain percentage, I can't remember exactly what I think it was 8% fail in the first three months. You know, uh, infant mortality. There's something wrong with them. They're going to fail. Then the failure rate drops drastically for the next two years. At that point, f- every year, another 5 to 10% die. Just boom, boom, boom. But the problem is the drive you have, Alan, you don't know if it's going to be the three-month, the two-year, or the eight-year. You can't tell. There's no way of knowing. It's just kind of random. Right. So there's no way of knowing ahead of time if you've got one of them. I don't think it makes any sense to replace a drive every two years. It's true that after two years, it does start becoming more likely to fail. So in a mission-critical environment, perhaps that's where this guy got this from. If you're running a server room where you can't afford to lose one bit of data or one moment of time replacing uh, data, then maybe you'd replace them uh, proactively. But I don't think think that makes any sense. I think... I at think the key is, and this is always the key, your hard drive could fail today, tomorrow, the next day. Just always have good backups.
5: Well, that's why I subscribe to Carbonite, of course. The other thing I have, do you trust, uh, like, these one5 2-terabyte hard drives? Should I just be conservative to a 1-terabyte hard drive? What's my best bet?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I do trust my data to large hard drives, but it is absolutely the case that large hard drives are more likely to fail. And the more data we jam into a hard drive the more likely you're going to have data failures. Modern hard drives are incredibly sophisticated in their error correction. Uh, A terabyte drive, a two terabyte drive, is losing data all the time, thousands of times a day, but its advanced error correction, its EEC, is so good that you never know it. So, uh, you know, I don't see a higher failure rate on big drives. Um. On the other hand, I like having multiple drives. I think your initial proposal to have an operating system drive and a data drive is not a bad idea. For a couple of reasons. One is when you reinstall the operating system, it doesn't in any way impinge on your data. Got it. So that's nice. Uh, you know, if if and if for instance your your hard drive dies on your one of them, you just replace it. Now, if you really want to protect yourself, you could use a RAID system. This is the idea of using multiple drives with redundancy, so if one one drive fails, you you haven't lost any data, you just swap in a new one, it rebuilds itself, and you're good to go. That's mostly what's used in servers to make sure that the data is intact. I don't think an individual needs to worry about that. I think the key is good backup. It is a good idea to separate programs and operating system from data so that they're on separate drives, or at least separate partitions of the drive. Um, and, and then I just say, keep going. Live your life as if as if it will last forever.
5: <laughs> Much appreciated.
0: Thanks. Hey, thanks, thanks for the call. We all do, you know, uh, different things about it. I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that there there is no way of knowing ahead of time that drive could fail at any moment. Assume that it could die at any moment, and so make sure you have backups, and you can live with. Uh, you know, do you back up once a week? Can you live with a week loss of data? Worst case scenario, if you backed up on Sunday, the drive died on. Saturday, you'd have lost everything you did that week. Can you live with that? Well, then you should be backing up more often. If, uh, and, and by the way, RAID doesn't replace backups. RAID just means that if a drive dies, you can replace it and stay online. It, it's about availability, not about backup. You still, If you only have one copy of your data, you're always at risk, whether it's RAID or anything else. You always should have multiple copies of your data. Remember what I talk about that three, two, one backup. You know this actually. As long as we're going to talk about this, let me mention Carbonite, which is a great online backup solution. Peter Krogh, my it was great photographer, uh, wrote the book, the damn book. It's called the Digital Asset Management Book. Photographers, of course, this is an issue for them. They can't afford. You took a wedding. You take wedding pictures. You can't lose those wedding pictures, or you're going to meet some nasty brides. You're going to regret. <laughs> you're going to regret your life, right? Because they aren't they aren't going to restage that wedding. So photographers are very careful to make sure that they have their data backed up. Uh, so Peter talks about three, two, one backup, and this is the rule he uses three copies of everything. Three copies of everything. If you delete the original, that means you have two copies. You need three copies of everything. Two of them on different media, so maybe an external hard drive and in the cloud, or a DVD and external hard drive. Two different but one of them, that's the one, has to be off site not here so let's say i'm backing up all my data to an external drive and there's a fire i've lost my computer my original and my backup because i didn't have a copy of it outside the building off site this is where carbonite's great it's automatic so you don't have to think about it so you're always backed up after that initial backup you're always backed up you, you have a hard drive loss you will not lose a week you will not lose a day you will not lose an hour you will have everything And with Carbonite, you always have access to your backup. So even if you're off-site, you can log on to your Carbonite account on any computer. There's your data. So it's cloud storage, really. It's not just backup. They have an iPhone app and a BlackBerry app. They're free that let you get to your data. I just think Carbonite's great. Automatic backup to the Internet. Unlimited backup. All the personal data on your internal drive for just $55 a year. And it's so easy to get started. If you go to Carbonite.com right now, you get a 15-day free trial, give you a sense of how it works. Use my name, Leo, and you'll get two months free when you decide to buy. Carbonite.com, offer code Leo. Try it free today. I think you will agree this is the simple best way to give yourself peace of mind so you can you can sleep at night and know that your data is safe. It's not It's not everything. I do like having a, uh, a backup and an external drive. I think that's a great thing to have, but I also think it's great... It, it vital, in fact, to have it offsite on Carbonite servers. So you just never have to worry. Now we got Marie back. I'm so sorry, Marie. I, I was having some sort of technical difficulty. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Welcome.
1: Yes, it, Leo, are speaking to me? Marie from your Belinda? I am it's Marie from your Linda, South America. How are you? Good, good. Well, I was good until about 10:45 this morning.
0: Oh, no, what happened?
1: <laughs> A program called System Tool has taken over my computer and I can't do anything. It has
0: Let me guess, and it's telling you for $54 we will fix your computer. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's called in my book blackmail.
1: Yes, I think so too.
0: Yeah. Or an extortion racket. And uh, ah, there are a number of programs that do this. It's really creepy. So this program is it's it's malware. It's a it's a virus. This yeah. program gets on your system, makes it makes you unable to access your data. Sometimes it keeps you off the Internet. It does, does some mean things, but is very careful to pop up a window that says, oh, you got a problem. <laughs> we can fix it just send us the money and by the way i think they do fix it if you send them money probably but i don't i wouldn't do it because you don't want to now there's not much you can do at this point except bring it to a reliable computer repair shop the geek squad or someone like that they'll know they'll be able to remove it there it, it is possible to remove it but it's going to take uh, some skills and an external drive and so forth and so i think it's it's best to let the pros do it yes yeah How do you know if you're infected by system tool? Well, you see something that says system tool protect your PC. It does a scan and then says cleanup required. Oh, really? And you'll find icons on your desktop that look like padlocks. And then you'll get this big blue screen that says warning. You're in danger, misspelled by the way, Y-O-U-R apostrophe (laughs) R-E. And then your computer is infected with spyware. When you see these misspellings, you know it's a hacker. Hackers, hackers are the worst spellers. I don't know why.
5: You'd think they'd do, use spell check or something.
0: <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Now you know a lot of times. First of all, they're not native English speakers, but also, uh, I think there's something. It's just even even the good hackers that I know don't spell well. There's hmm. <laughs> just something going on. So Marie, it's not really. You could, I mean, if you go to MalwareBytes.org, you can read up on how to do it, but you'd have to do it on another machine. I just bring it to the Geek Squad, let them fix it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888, Ask Leo. That's the full number if you want to talk about this crazy, wacky world of computing and the technology and the Internet. Have some pie. No, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> we have in studio with us a couple of entrepreneurs who are in town for the big launch conference, which is a chance for entrepreneurs to get together with uh, a venture capitalists, people with money, Looking for funding, and a couple of them are in here, and they brought us wine and pie, which I think is a is a fabulous conversation. But I will not partake until later. No pie for me, says Doctor Mom in our chat room. No pie for you, Leo. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That is the phone number. Uh, let's get back to the phones. Lots of questions, comments. I guess before I go to the phones, I just want uh, I should probably talk about this. Apple will be doing something on Wednesday. Apple hates my guts so I don't get invitations to this stuff anymore but uh, uh I guess I'm too I'm too free thinking for uh, Steve apparently uh, uh too independent for Steve so I don't get invitations but the good news is I know lots of people who do and um and you know so I'll I'll cover it from afar I do think it's pretty obvious if you look at the invitation uh you know there's a calendar that says march 2nd looks like iCal and then a peeled back corner and if you look right behind the corner what is that well it's an ipad so it's pretty obvious this was the time last year roughly that they actually they announced the ipad in january shipped it in when was april i think it was april so this time announced in march for ship in april that sounds about right ipad 2 is what people are <laughs> calling it but you know apple won't call it the ipad 2 maybe they will or the, they, you know, they do, you know, there was no iPhone, iPhone 2. It was the iPhone, then the iPhone, what, 3G, and then the 3GS, and then the 4. There was never a 2. <laughs> and they skip right to 4. And we don't know what iPhone, the next iPhone will be. Will it be 5? Who knows? So nowadays companies don't, they don't, they don't know how to count. So whatever the next iPad is, what will it be? Well, no one knows, but I'll tell you what I think. Remembering that, you must keep in mind, and I will give you this disclaimer, no one knows. And if anyone says they know, they probably don't. Now, there's rumors flying, and of course people say, oh, I have inside sources at Apple. Let me tell you something. If you work at Apple, and you leak this information, you know very well that you are walking a very fine line. And minute Apple finds out, and they're very aggressive about finding out, you will be fired preemptively for cause No severance, nothing. You're out the door. Bye-bye. Security guard comes to your desk, says, pack your stuff. You're leaving in two minutes. Boom. And that's one of the reasons you don't hear a lot of actual leaks from Apple. I think you hear a lot from Apple's partners, perhaps, although Apple's just as draconian with their partners as they are with their own employees. But here's, I'm going to speculate. First of all, we know there's got to be a camera, at least a front camera for FaceTime, because Apple's really big on this video calling technology that nobody uses that's available in the iphone and the ipod touch and oh, away on a mac too right you can use it on a mac too so i'm sure that they'll put that in the and that's cheap that's an easy thing to do will they put in a camera on the other side a high quality camera on the other side well i don't know some of the other tablets do the samsung galaxy tab uh, does not a great camera it's a three megapixel camera i, I, I think given the uh a very robust ecosystem of camera software on the iPhone, on, on iOS. It seems likely to me that Apple will include cameras on both sides of the new iPad. Will they include a better screen? Maybe a little better. But remember that adds to the cost and it adds to the power drain. And Apple is does not want to increase the cost. I could promise you, especially with Motorola Zoom costing six to eight hundred dollars that apple wants to keep that five hundred dollar price point that's very very important to them and historically they don't raise prices they just give you more for the same so they can't raise the price and they definitely don't want to reduce battery life 10 hours is a minimum so my suspicion is that in fact they won't change the screen resolution much if they change it at all i do think they'll make it smaller and lighter i think a lot of people who bought the original iPad, complained that compared to the Kindle, let's say, it's just too heavy for a good book reader. So I think thinner and lighter Apple can easily do that. That's a a no-brainer for Apple. Maybe more battery life. That's a possibility. I think the most interesting thing they'll do and could do, and I think they'll do this with the next iPhone as well, is move to a new processor. They currently use their own processor. It's called the A4 that's based on a design from a company called ARM. I think that there's a newer design from ARM that is dual processor, and I think they'll go to that ARM. I think they'll make an A5 chip that's faster. So I think the new iPad will be faster. Might have a better screen. Will probably have a front-facing camera, possibly a back camera. Should be thinner and lighter, and that's about it. I don't think it's going to be a lot more than that. So I don't think if you bought the iPad original iPad, there'll be a huge push to get that new one. If you didn't buy, I think that probably there's a, that that's another reason maybe you want to buy. But I think, remember the iPod, Just is kind of like the I Gradual, incremental improvements. You don't see, it's very rare for Apple to make a big jump, a big leap. You're going to you're going to dribble it out. 8888 Ask Leo, you know different? You work for Apple? You willing to take a chance? Call me. I'd love to hear from you. I won't tell Steve. He and I don't talk anymore, anyway. Ted in Iron River, Michigan. You're next, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
3: Yeah. Uh, hey, how was your trip?
0: How was your trip? Excuse me, I'm <laughs> choked up. It was awesome. Yeah. It was really amazing. I, you know, it was a, uh, it was a geek cruise, yeah. which is a weird idea. This company uh, used to be called Geek Cruises. Now they're called Insight Cruises, but you can still find them at geekcruises.com. Does Macintosh and uh, other kinds of geek cruises. So there were about 100 Mac fans. I did some, some lectures. It was a 12-day cruise around South America. It was wonderful. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to go on a cruise with like-minded geeks.
3: Yeah, I can understand that. Hey, I have a question about Slingbox. When I have a couple of kids spread out all over at colleges. And if I bought a Slingbox and put it in there, could they... Could they both use it at the same time? And if they change channels, does it change in the house? How does it work?
8: Yeah, I
0: think only... Now, let me ask, because I've never tried that. I have a Slingbox, but I've never tried to have more than one user on I think only one user at a time. You have a password. You have a log into it. And so when you're logged into it, uh, you will uh, have control of the channel changer and the DVR and all of that stuff. Anybody in the chat room have some experience with having two people logged on at the same time? I don't think you can.
8: If it's only I,
3: one logged in, and then the person at the, maybe at the house—if so you're, you know, if my bride was at the house, uh, could she still be changing channels as well, or will that? Uh,
0: be the- y- y- well, yes and no. It depends how you've set it up. Um, so you're right. If 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 uh, if you're both watching the DVR, only one of you, even if there's somebody home, only one of you at a time can control it because the DVR isn't capable of doing two streams at once. All right. So uh, yeah, Leo,
3: I have a I have a little information about Ford that you might be interested in hearing.
0: I'd love I'd love to. You, as you uh, and I should disclaim this, Ford is a, sp- a big sponsor of our podcasts.
3: Yeah, uh, I just bought a new F Ford three fifty. In fact, it's going to be built March fourteenth in Dearborn.
0: Oh, how cool! I was on that line. I've seen them be built.
3: Yeah, and but um, uh, I cut some property for uh, that Henry Ford used to own south of Watton, Michigan. He used to own, I don't know, five or 6,000 acres there back in, the, well, I don't know, early, late 1800s, early 1900s. And they used to ship that down to his own sawmill in Alberta, Michigan. And they used to saw that for uh, pallets and, and for parts of the car, firewalls, floorboards. You know, it used to be a lot of wood in the cars.
0: Henry, Henry Ford, and by the way, you know, he had some failings. He was anti-Semitic. He kind of supported Hitler. There were some nasty things about Henry Ford. But give him credit. He was, he was the Steve Jobs of his time. I mean, he was a visionary.
3: What he used to do is he used to make these component people like the Eaton and Rockwells They used to supply with transmissions and whatnot. He used to give them the patterns for the pallets that he had. They had to ship them on these pallets. Then he, would- he
0: was like Walmart. Walmart does that same thing. They're so big they could say, this is how it's done. Hey, hang on. We'll talk some more in a second. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 88, 88, ask Leo is a fun. number. We're talking to Ted in Iron River, Michigan, about Henry Ford. You know, I've mentioned before, we went out to the Rouge plant, which is the big plant in Dearborn that uh, Ford built in uh, the 20s to make Model Ts. And the idea that Henry had was take raw materials in via boxcar, iron ore, logs, and they goes into one end of, the, of this factory, which is a, like a mile by a mile and a half, huge factory, and Model T's come out the other end.
3: Yeah,
0: I, I mean, that's just amazing.
3: I had several relatives that used to work there back from the, the mm-hmm. 20s all the way up into uh, probably close to the 50s when they...
0: Yeah. My, my best friend worked at the Rouge plant when he was a kid.
3: Yeah, it was a good uh, place. Uh, you
0: know, and it's still there. That's where they make the F-150s. I don't know if your 350 was made there, but uh, the uh, or will be made there, but the uh, F-150s, we went down on the... I got to ride the assembly line. Now, that was cool.
3: I was watching the... Uh,
0: yeah, we streamed it. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, I was watching. That it was really neat. Up here, he had uh, the sawmill in Alberta, and he had a little town there uh, that supplied all the people with housing and, and you know, a uh, place. It's amazing. Everything yeah. went on there. And uh, I cut his property. I'm a logger.
2: And oh, I, interesting.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys that gets you to dead trees. In fact, uh, we work for the New Page Company, which is come the high-gloss paper company.
0: Oh, really? Oh, interesting.
3: We did, and all the high-gloss paper, that's where it comes from. But, you know, a dead tree isn't a bad thing all the time, Leo. It's a renewable resource. Thin out, we thin out the forest, and when you come back a couple of years later, you can't tell, and the trees are. That's right.
0: That's right. It's a renewal. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, there's some other issues with paper making, of course, but, but, but.
3: Well, you know, you want to talk about some environmentalist things that have gone. They had some hose that was outlawed several years ago, and now the idea of that because it was bad for the environment making that hose. Well, right now the hose that we get for our hydraulics is terrible. And it keeps blowing out, so we keep spewing oil all over the forest No, now that's bad! <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, the road to heck. They
0: call that the law of unintended consequences.
3: There you go, the road to heck is paved with good intentions.
0: <laughs> Don't we know it? Life is very complex nowadays, and it isn't always obvious what, what, what the clear choice is. I, I, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you
3: education too over the years that i've gotten i'm a dyslexic blogger I, I i i do i mean i i can't read uh well i can read but i don't know what i read and i it gets so frustrating i, I start hyperventilating every time i have to read two paragraphs so every- do you do audio books Any- have you ever
0: tried audio books
3: did i do what have you
0: ever tried audio books
3: that's what i'm doing now with, with audible i listen to them all the time oh yeah, is that great
0: I-, I mean i'm not dyslexic i can read but I'm lazy and I just think I love it and I think if you did have trouble reading for whatever reason audiobooks are so great.
3: The machine I run in the woods every day and listen to your podcast on is a Oh, that's great. Well,
0: that's nice to know. Hey Ted, I want to I want to I love talking to you but can you get to a question so I can answer it?
3: <laughs> well, well- <laughs> What's the hottest phone, to the next one? I've been waiting for a Windows 7 to come around, to, but now, we, of course, we got the iPhone. But uh, I don't want to get the 4 for uh, Verizon. So what's the better one to get right now Android-wise?
0: Uh, I Well, I mean, pure hardware-wise, I think the Motorola Atrix, A-T-R-I-X, is certainly the most powerful phone out there right now. It's dual-core. It's using, remember I was talking about this potential chip that Apple might put in the new iPad. Uh, there is already a version of it from NVIDIA called the Tegra 2, and that's what's being used in the Atrix, and most of the hot new uh, Android phones will use it. And it. So it's two gigahertz processors. It's a lot of speed. The Atrix is so powerful, in fact, that they, you can buy an, a, an optional dock that you dock it into, and it turns it into a laptop.
3: That's the um, one I was thinking of, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. However, however, AT&T only, which really frosts me a little bit.
3: Well, hey, thank you very much, Leo. Appreciate
0: it. Great to talk to you, Ted. Thank you so much, and it's so good to know. I love hearing from people who listen to the show in different environments, and now I can imagine you logging <laughs> while I'm talking, and I just think that's fantastic. And I'm sure you're protecting your hearing, too, while you're doing that. Mario San Diego also looking for a cell phone. Hi, Mario.
7: Hello, Mr. Ford. How are you doing today?
0: I'm fantastic. By the way, Pete C in our chat room is saying he just got the Atrix at Radio Shack for 150. dollars Wow, I have to say it's pretty tempting. I wish it weren't just AT and T.
7: Yeah, that's that's my thing. I'm not. I don't. I don't want to pay for a data plan. I'm going to get an iPhone for my wife now that it's fifty bucks. But I want to get the smartest dumb phone I can find. <laughs> Mentioned earlier, something about Angry Birds. I'd like to, you know, get some apps and be able to do things, but I'm not. I'm not going to use the data plan. I don't just. You know,
0: I'm. I'm trying to think. I don't. You know, certainly Angry Birds is not going to be available on anything but a smartphone that requires a data plan. That just that that's just not going to happen. Dang um. There are intermediate smartphones like, say, the Nokia, the E71. uh, BlackBerry's phones are ostensibly smartphones, but these days I would say they're kind of dumb smartphones. Um, You know, one way to go is perhaps to get a dumb, dumb, dumb phone, a feature phone, and an iPod Touch.
7: I I had actually, I called earlier, and my super dumb Go phone disconnected, so I had to call back when I got (laughs)
0: so uh, i don't think that's the fault of the dumb phone but it might <laughs> i mean look cell phones we we expect so much of cell phones we expect them to be like as effective and as reliable as landline phones and come on that's that's just not going to happen but I, they've gotten they've gotten worse i don't think they've gotten better but uh, maybe that's because everybody's using them i don't know
7: any phone uh, would be an upgrade for me i just like to upgrade as much as i can without uh having to pay. I'd
0: get i'd get a, 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 you know a. Choose your carrier first, whoever's the best carrier in your neighborhood or perhaps the carrier that you're using now and uh, because you can get a free upgrade, whatever. But choose your carrier. Then I would just get a quality, robust, reliable feature phone is what they're called. They don't do much. And an iPod Touch. The Touch has no data plan, but it'll work in Wi-Fi areas. And so you don't pay for a data plan, but you get the, the advantage of almost all the iPhone apps work on the Touch. You can even uh, don't tell anybody I said this, but you can even attach it to your wife's iPhone account and any app she buys you can run on your iPod Touch too. You know, you'll just sync it to the same machine and you'll get those apps as well. So you only have to buy them once. You know, they don't I don't know if that's a loophole or I don't think they explicitly prevent that or even mention it. But you know that that's the case when you buy an application whether you buy it on your computer or your phone and and it syncs, if you attach another Phone or iPod Touch to that. As long as you're willing to use the same account, it'll have the same apps. And I don't—I have to look, but I don't think it says anywhere can't do that. So uh, I would, you know, get 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 whatever phone you can get cheap that does what you need it to do, and then get an iPod Touch. I think that's going to give you the best of both worlds. Now, if you really want to go crazy, <laughs> get a phone that allows you to tether. But see, but no, then you need a data plan. So, you know, he doesn't, the, the, the stipulation is no data plan. That means dumb phone and Wi-Fi. Dumb phone and Wi-Fi. Curtis B. in the chat room says he thinks that the rule is, and I'll have to refer to the Apple Store documentation, all 38 pages of it, but he says he thinks the rule is you can do five devices on one account. You can buy a smartphone and disable the data, but I don't see the point of that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Portion of the Tech Guy show is brought to you by my internet service provider DSL Extreme for high speed internet at an amazing price. Call eight six six the number two get net to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, as usual on the weekends, spending my time talking about my favorite subject, geeking out with tech. Whether it's computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP three players, home theater. It's funny, my wife. Uh, we were we were cleaning out stuff for uh, Goodwill. Uh, yesterday, and uh, she found a camera bag with a camcorder in it. I said, Oh, that's cool. Let's see what's in there. And it was, it's not very old. It was an old Panasonic camcorder. And I thought, but it, you know, it's probably a couple of three years old, but it felt very antiquated. I said, Yeah, we can give this to Goodwill. <laughs> then I realized, But wait, if I do, how am I going to play back all the tapes that I shot? So we're going to keep that for a little longer. And I'm going to transfer all those uh, DV tapes that I shot with that and its brothers uh, over to the computer before I give it up. So something to keep in mind. You know, if you've got video that you've shot, whether it's VHS, Beta, DVC Pro, if you haven't yet transferred it over, you might want to do that before you get rid of the camera. Frank's in Point Loma, California. Our next caller, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
3: Hey, Leo, how you doing?
0: Wonderful, Frank. How are you?
3: Uh, Good. i got a question for you. Uh, I've got a line with my mom. She's 88, and I have to get her a user-friendly phone, a smartphone.
0: Oh. Now, she specified smartphone. Is that what she wants?
3: Well, yeah, she wants to read like Women's World. See, she's not Internet savvy, though. And I'm not too much either. I know a little bit. You know
0: what I gave my mom, 77? Actually, seventy-eight now an iPad, and she loves it. She also has a Kindle.
3: I, uh, but what about the phone, though?
0: <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, the problem with the phone is all the smartphones have tiny screens. How's mom's eyesight?
3: Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's okay in one eye.
0: <laughs> the nice thing about the, the iPad is, of course, the screen is much bigger than a phone. I mean, you they're the you know, uh, the iPhone, and in fact, all smartphones have have the Kindle app on them. And uh, you can with the Kindle app choose uh, a very large typeface, but you won't get more than a few words on on a page. You know, I, you know, so that that's that could be an issue. Um, no, we want again. a phone.
3: Yeah, she wants the. You, re-
0: you really want a phone? Okay.
9: Yeah.
0: She wants the. Well, you know, you got the internet on an iPad. All right, a phone. That's the demand. A phone. We need a phone. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, I you know, the phones with the biggest screens uh, are Android phones. Unfortunately, I think those are a little harder to use.
3: Yeah, we've looked at that. We looked at the i, you know, the iPhone and then what is it, the HTC with Sprint.
0: Mm-hmm. The Evo, which is the biggest screen, the 4.3.
3: Right. Now uh, the Android
0: X on Verizon and the Evo on uh, Sprint are the biggest screens. They're they're large. How
3: would you but, uh, iPhone to the...
0: Uh, I think an iPhone for uh, a novice user is much easier to use. I mean, like, light years easier. Uh, Android, while I have no trouble using it, and anybody who is willing to, you know, futz around a little bit has no trouble using it, I think that it's pretty tricky. Yeah. It is. I would say an iPhone is what she wants. Now, Hold, if you can hold off, you know, there will be a new iPhone come June. Oh, really? And I'm I'm I wouldn't be too surprised if they came out with a bigger screen.
3: Well, see, we don't really need that video thing back and forth. Is that the only difference in between the two? Between we the, we don't iP- know yet.
0: We don't know, no, no, no. That's not the only difference. And, and yeah, I don't think anybody uses FaceTime. It's a very specialized app. You know, you don't. That's not something normal people want to make video calls from their phone. But um, I I do think that. The bigger screen for mom makes it easier for her to see and read. If you're reading on a phone, that's a pretty small screen.
9: It is. If you could get
0: yeah. If you can get that a little bit bigger, it'd be a lot easier to read on. Now remember on an iPhone, she can turn it sideways and read that way, which makes it a little bit bigger.
3: Is that with both iPhones, the 3 and the uh 4?
0: Yes. Yeah. The, the now, I should say this. The four has this Retina display. It's got all a Retina displays is, is a very high resolution display, more dots. Um, that may make it. It certainly makes it crisper. It may make it a little easier for mom to read. She should look at it. I think the three is not quite as legible, but she's got to try it.
3: Okay, so the three is the way you'd you go and user friendly. Yeah, oh, the-
0: and she really needs to make it because I'm telling you, the iPad is really a better choice for her. She really needs to make it a phone, huh?
3: Yeah, yeah, got to have the phone cuz she's going to get a laptop here sooner or later.
0: I think an iPad's a better choice than a laptop for her.
3: Oh, okay, I'll tell her that. Much
0: much 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 better. My mom has both. Yeah, but I but I really think she loves the iPad. The iPad is very senior friendly. Okay. Very. And, and, you know, if she if she thinks she might be getting an iPad, getting an iPhone is not a bad idea because it's the same operating system. If she learns one, she'll know how to use the other. The if, iPad is basically a big iPhone minus the phone part. Um, I think for her, I, I, iPhone is, is the way to go. I just worry about somebody uh, uh, in her 80s vision-wise because uh, if she wants to read, boy, is that a that three-and-a-half-inch, that's a small screen for reading. It really is. Whereas the iPad or a Kindle, my mom loves the Kindle because she can make that typeface very big. And the Kindle's crisp, 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 especially if you shine a bright light on it. I would say the Kindle is the easiest for people uh, older than, say, 50, and I include myself in that bunch, to read. But if you're saying, I have to have a phone, I have to be a smartphone, no questions, iPhone. iPhone. Uh, in, in my opinion, no question. I like the Android. I prefer the Android, but it's it's more for uh, somebody who's, who's you know, a little tech savvy. Daniel, Ontario, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
8: Yeah, I was calling because I have a BlackBerry, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm noticing the battery dies real quick all the time, you know. And I'm just wondering, is there a battery that has the extended, like, you know, extended light? Yes, ice there
0: is. And how old is your BlackBerry?
8: Actually, I just got it a couple of days ago.
0: Oh, shoot. Well, first of all, I'd bring it back and say, hey, it's dying. Uh, it shouldn't be dying. When you say dying, how long can you, use, can, can you go between charges?
8: Uh, probably like four hours.
0: No, that's wrong. There's something wrong with it. It should go at least a day. So yeah, there's two see, possibilities. To, One, I, it could I, be def- it could be defective. You just got it. It could be defective. Just bring it back. And say, dude, three hours. The other possibility is there's an application on there. And this happens to me on the, on smartphones all the time. That's running yeah. in the background, sucking the battery dry. Make sure you've got the screen set to go off automatically. You don't want to leave that screen on. That's the biggest power drain. Is it turning itself off?
8: Yeah, no. I mean, uh, when I push the AND key after every app that I open up, but I mean, as far I, I don't know how to perfectly cancel out of the application, though. You know.
0: Well, it could be just a bad, a rogue application, and and but is the screen? If you put it in, in your in the holster or, or you put it down, does the screen go off after a minute?
8: Yeah,
0: yeah, it has an automatic dim, yeah. Okay. Um, I would I would take it back to the store and say, is this normal? Because it isn't. Yeah. And it's possible the phone is just defective or the battery that came with it is defective. They might open it up, put a different battery in, and you might say, Oh good, you should get a day. But there are things that can drain uh, cell phones. Dr. Mom in our chat room's pointing out quite rightly that, and I found this out in South America, if you go in an area with no reception. Your phone is going to be seeking, seeking, seeking. Please, please, there's got to be a signal here. And all of that uses up battery life, and you could go through a charge in, a, in a, you know, an hour. Uh, if uh, There's lots of things that could happen that could make the phone work too hard. I, I put a G, an application on here uh, that uses GPS. It was a to-do list, and it was kind of a cool idea. I think it was called Recall R-E-Q-A-L-L. And the idea was, well, we'll always look at where you are, and if you mark some of your to-do list items with a location, when you get to that location, you know, your shopping list and you get to the store, we'll pop it up. We'll say, Hey, you're here. This is what you said you wanted to do when you were here last time. I love that idea. Problem is it the GPS is on all the time and it drained the battery in like half an hour. But I don't think that's I don't think that's normal. I think you you should get a full day on any Blackberry. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Is that her favorite? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. It's very sad. Playing a little... Kyle is playing a little modest mouse. For my dear producer, Rebecca Baker, has been with me since 2004. he's leaving me. <laughs> he's going to go work for that evil woman, Stephanie Miller. <laughs> I'm going to miss you, Rebecca. Rebecca Baker Taylor, I should say, because she got married in between. I still think of her as Rebecca Baker. She uh, is doing her last day of answering the phones for us. So thank you, Rebecca, for a great job. We will miss you. And meanwhile, aw, thank you. And thank you for playing some modest masks, Kyle. <laughs> Rebecca's so cool. She's so hip. Hey, look who's here. Dick DiBartolo Bartolo, Mad Magazine's Mad baddest writer and the Gizwiz. He does some wacky, crazy, wild gadget show called the Daily Gizwiz, and each uh, day comes up with another fun or interesting or strange or bad, sometimes even bad gadgets.
9: Hey, Dick. Hey, Leah. How you doing? Very well. Nice to see you again. Hey, you know, I have my calendar out. Just remind me when are you leaving for your trip? I next, want to put it Next down. year.
0: <laughs> next, oh, next year. <laughs> I, I can I was already informed by many people including yes. the people at the radio show and the people at the podcast network and all the other people that I may yes. never again take a vacation. And, and why is that? I don't know. They just said you can't take oh, any more. You've, you can you've ever, used <laughs> all your vacation time for the next decade. Oh, okay.
9: Yes, that's because the corporation is set up that way, but you can change
0: it. Oh, that's true. It is, it is my company, isn't it? Yeah, you have to feed up on Lisa. So how's everything going? Uh, you,
9: you, you having a good time? Uh, everything is good. I had such a funny thing happened, uh, Leo. The first week you were away, you know, I promised a chat room, even though we weren't recording daily giz whizzes, that I'd stop in. Yeah. And so 15 minutes before five o'clock, Alex put me online and Scott must have seen me come up and uh, Scott Wilson was filling in for you doing your show and and Scott Turned the mic on and said, Hey, Dick, the Gizwiz. So, what gadget do you have for us today? And of course, I had no gadget.
0: (laughs) I was there to talk to the
9: chat room. You have
0: plenty. You always have
9: something. You you know what, Leo? It was very fun. I happened to tune in a half hour early, and someone had asked Scott uh, if he knew anything about the Bose TV with the built in Bose sound. I know you know about it because you were at that. You told me about that wacky demo. Exactly. And and Scott didn't know, so I was able to to do five minutes on that. So yeah. let, let me, but, um,
0: let me uh, ask you,
9: uh, if you had, <laughs> we had great risk, you, you got any gadgets today? Yeah, you know, and, and again, this goes back to your radio show, uh, a caller had asked you about using their cell phone on a, on a regular full-sized handset. And you said, well, that's the Gizwiz, I was also in the chat room and I said it was to check out Panasonic, but since that call I went to Panasonic and got all the info. So I thought I, I would talk about it. It's called the Panasonic link to cell system. Oh, this is so, the idea
0: is that you, you, you can use your cell phone as kind of your home phone. Uh, right. So it's a cordless yes. phone.
9: Yes. You can, and what's great about this, Leo, is it's, it even does more, uh, has more features than I thought. So if you only get cell phone reception in one part of the house, you set up the cordless system there. It can, it uses Bluetooth. It can recognize two different cell phone numbers. Oh, that's neat. So if you and your wife have it, you can set it up and then you can set it up for a distinctive ring. Will it use a
0: landline so too, or is it only it for cell It will
9: use a landline also. Oh, because I'm so, in the market
0: for another phone. So this oh, might be a perfect choice. So the phone would ring if the landline rings
9: or either of our cell phones ring. Exactly. And you can set all three to have distinctive rings so you know what, what phone is right, ringing. Right, because I don't
0: want to answer her phone.
9: Exactly, exactly. Uh, it, it uses uh, DECT 6.0, three-way call conferencing. You can add up to six handsets. the The basic unit uh list for $99 and you, you get I, two handsets for that which is two handsets that's pretty good and and, and the uh, the base station is also a speakerphone is it an answering so machine it's an answering machine good we need that um uh, also uh, some uh, a feature that Panasonic has that I like very much is that you can set each handset not to ring during certain hours
0: right i like that cuz i don't want it yeah, to ring so, in the middle of the night
9: Exactly. So if you have a handset in the bedroom, you can just set that handset not to ring from uh, midnight till eight AM, whatever you want. Uh, this is this talking-
0: is called Panasonic Cell T link-, link to Cell. Link to Cell. Okay. Well yes. Wow.
9: I'm, and, I'm looking uh, on
0: Amazon, eighty seven ninety five for the two handset um,
9: yeah, base. Yeah. That's Talk pretty good. Talking caller ID? That's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, the voice also has uh, some other prompts like uh, charge battery, things like that. And also another feature I like, it runs on just uh, two rechargeable uh, AAA batteries. So you don't have to run around looking for special batteries. I like that. Yeah,
0: because most of the time these phones have oddball lithium or Nikos Nikos or something. Yeah. Yeah. This looks good. I like it.
9: Well, I'm going to buy one right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I don't know if you'll need it or not, but it's wall mountable. I do need that. A lot of times... I, about every two or three months, I go, Dick, why can't I mount these cordless phones on my yes. wall? You know what it's Jennifer
0: you, really wants? And I, this maybe you could help mount, me. You mount it on the wall. Yeah. Well that, she wants just my head. <laughs> but, yeah. but besides that, she, yes. used to, we keep losing the phone, right? She says, why can't I just have a phone with a dial and a really long s- cord <laughs> that I can wrap around like when I was a teenager? Do, do they still even make wall phones corded wall phones you know what that that's a, you know i don't know that, i bet I'll they find don't that out she really that wants is... that she says because we keep losing the phone this way i know where it is it's hanging on the wall in the kitchen
9: you know what get 50 feet of clothesline <laughs> tape it to the to the base unit and to the handset it'll still work and she'll fill it home
0: dick's website is giz you can go there for uh, details on the panasonic link to sell and uh, all so? sorts of great gadgets. And, uh, and by the way, DGW, the Daily Gizwiz, is a great daily podcast. that I'm on with Dick, uh, coincidentally, at twit.tv slash DGW. Dick's great to talk to you. We'll talk to you uh, on the Gizwiz in a few minutes. I'll be there. <laughs> you better, because I don't know what else I'll do if you're not. Hey, w- uh, I know I have a commercial left. Which one is it, Kyle? Carbonite consumer I want to tell you about my great friends at Carbonite. Actually, his name is Friend, David Friend, the CEO of Carbonite. It's a great story. David's daughter was in college some years back. David is a serial entrepreneur. When he got out of school, I think he went to uh, uh, he went to Yale and I think MIT. When he got out of school, he created a synthesizer company you might have heard of called ARP. And, uh, yeah, and uh, was like every rock and roll band in the world used this synthesizer. It was a great success. I think he sold it, and he kind of you know hung out for a while. His daughter was going to college. She called up one day, said, Daddy, I lost my term paper. It's, I don't I have to. Uh, <laughs> Daddy, help me. He says, I'm a computer guy, and I I said, there's got to be a better solution. He invented, created, and, and now is the CEO of Carbonite. And, and it kind of to full circle this, guess what's running on my daughter's laptop on her freshman year in college? You better believe Carbonite's on there. I don't want that call. Carbonite's backup done right. First of all, it's automatic, Mac or PC. Unlimited backup for $55 a year. That's every bit of data on your internal hard drive. You don't have to think about it. You can get to it. even You don't have to wait for a disaster. You can log into your Carbonite account from any computer or their free iPhone or BlackBerry app, and boom, there's your data. So it's cloud. it's basically cloud data storage as well. Unlimited cloud data storage for
5: $55 a year.
0: Uh, it is just the best. I, uh, it's backup done right. I want you to try it free right now for uh, for 15 days. Just go to Carbonite, C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E dot com, and then use the offer code Leo. If you decide you like it, sign up, use my name Leo at checkout, and it'll give you two additional months free. That is a great deal. David Friend, a friend to those in need Carbonite.com. Let's see. I think we have time for uh, maybe one or two more calls. Let's start with uh, Jim in Pittsburgh, PA, with a backup question. Hi, Jim.
3: Hi, Leo. Uh, Nice talking to you. Great. I have a question. I'm new to uh, Apple Mac computer. I have an Intel-based iMac that I've had for about three years. So I'm pretty much just an intermediate user Um, looking for... An online backup service, and I know you just got done talking about one. Um, however, I do have a time capsule that I use for my local backup. Now, I don't have a whole lot of data, just basic, uh, you know, personal photos and some uh, some documents, whether it's house receipts and things like that that I may scan into uh, into the computer and whatnot. But just trying to go that extra step of security and going with an online backup. And I know that there's certain ones that that don't work. Uh, seamlessly with, like the time capsule. So yeah, kind of time capsule. Try- but
0: now I would think of it as two different backup systems. So seamlessly isn't necessarily that important. The okay. time capsule is your local backup. It's just, it's not not much different than an on you know a, a external hard drive backup. That's good. Keep that, and you just want an off-site backup for those times when there's a major disaster. Carbonite's fine. Dropbox. Lots of good ways to do that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week.